My name is David Blackburn. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for being with us this morning. The Bible is not only the most read book in history, it's the best-selling and most translated book in history. This morning we want to consider some reasons why we can trust it as the Word of God. Paul writes this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does it mean that Scripture, the Bible, is God-breathed? Some translations of this passage say that Scripture is inspired. We're talking about the Bible being God-inspired and God-breathed. Right now, you are listening to my breath. You're listening to my breath because my voice is my breath coming up out of my lungs, over my vocal cords, vibrating those vocal cords, and coming out as sound, my voice. You see, if I didn't have any breath, I wouldn't have any voice. And if I didn't have any breath, I'd be dead. And that'd be another message, wouldn't it? So the breath of David Blackburn is the word or voice of David Blackburn. Paul says here that God's word is God's very breath. It's not just some good ideas from writers who wrote the Bible over a span of 1,600 years. It's God's word to us. And as a result, in Psalm 119, we are told all of your commands can be trusted. Everything in the Bible can be trusted as true because it comes from God. But how do I really know it's not just a bunch of, you know, fables and stories that are put together by men who lived a very long time ago? And I believe that's a valid and legitimate question you may have, and we need to answer it before we expect you to start reading and studying the Bible, and we do expect you to do that if you're part of our church. So how do we know we can trust the Bible as the Word of God? The first reason is the Bible is historically accurate. The Bible isn't just doctrinally or theologically accurate, or just accurate and true regarding morals and ethics. The Bible is historically accurate and true, and it's filled with real people and real places. The video so appropriately showed us some of those. Why is that even important? Because the Bible tells us God can't lie. We read here in Hebrews, these two things cannot change. God cannot lie when he says something, and he cannot lie when he makes an oath. Twice we're told there that God cannot lie. The only reason the universe works because God is a God of truth, which means the laws of the universe are true all the time. Can you imagine if the law of gravity only worked on Tuesdays and Thursdays? 
be pretty weird in here right now, wouldn't it? You always wanted to know what the ceiling looked like up close. But the laws of physics are true all the time because God created those laws. The laws of mathematics are true all the time because God created them. Just a little test for you to see how sharp you are in math this morning. Two plus two will always be very bright right here. This over here, I'm not so sure. <laughs> the square root of nine will always be, again, very bright. Yeah. A little dimmer over here. Okay, the last question. The sum of 42 times 68 will always be? 3,512. You see, God created the laws of physics, the laws of mathematics on which the universe runs, and they'll always be true because God cannot lie. If the Bible has one lie in it, it's not God's book, and we can't trust it. In Psalms, we read this. The words of the Lord are what? True, and all his works are dependable. This means God's words are true not only about salvation and eternal life, but they're true and right about history. We know the Bible is historically accurate by the same way we know any other history is accurate. One of the ways you test history for accuracy is by asking, is it from eyewitness accounts? An historian would ask this, after he drinks. Is this written down by somebody who saw it? Or is it second or third hand information? Or is it even legend written down years later? That's a test for historical accuracy. The Bible is primarily a book of eyewitness accounts, and that's why it's good history. Moses was there when the Red Sea parted. Jericho, excuse me, Joshua was there when the walls of Jericho fell. His disciples saw and talked to the resurrected Jesus. The Bible is full of eyewitness accounts of the events that took place and the people in those events. Another reason why we can trust the Bible is archaeology which helps confirm the Bible's historical accuracy. Archaeology is the study of human history and prehistory through the excavation of sites and the analysis of artifacts and other physical remains, just in case you wanted to know. When I was a much younger man, I always wanted to go and participate in an archaeological dig in the Holy Lands. I never did that. And that was long before Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, so I wasn't persuaded because of that. Never went to go, never got to go, but always fascinated by what archaeologists have found there. Archaeology has proven again and again that the places and the people of the Bible talks about are true. You can get on a plane today, you can go see for yourself the biblical sites archaeologists have excavated. The Areopagus, 
where Paul preached the famous sermon in Acts chapter 17. The pool of Siloam where Jesus healed the blind man. Portions of Herod's temple. These places and many more talked about in the Bible have been found and we can see them with our own eyes today. The New Testament book of Acts is all about historical accuracy. The writer, a man named Luke, was an historian as well as a medical doctor. And in the book of Acts, he mentions over 100 different cities and locations. Because the Bible is archaeologically true and correct, every city and location Luke mentioned has been located and identified with 100% accuracy. Now in the past, there have been many times when skeptics have had an idea of what is historical, and they said the Bible must be wrong, but the Bible has always been proved to be right. For a long time, historians said they weren't sure that a guy named Solomon in the Old Testament even lived. And if he did live, they were certain he didn't have any horses like the Bible mentions. These historians believed there were only camels back then. And so the thing about horses in the Bible and Solomon just couldn't be right. But during an archaeological study at a place called Megiddo, they discovered one of Solomon's chariot cities with thousands of stables for horses. So the experts had to throw out their theories on horses because the Bible was proved right once again. One of the greatest examples of this is a group of people called the Hittites. The Hittites were mentioned 26 times in the Old Testament. and Maybe you've come across them in your reading. But they were mentioned nowhere else in ancient literature. So for centuries, historians said the Bible just made up the Hittites, and the Bible thus wasn't a reliable historical source. But in 1905, a professor by the name of Hugo Winkler discovered proof of the Hittites and now all historians believe the Hittites did in fact exist as the Bible said. Once again, the Bible was proved to be historically accurate and true. And there are many other examples. And there are some good books available on biblical archaeology if you want to do some further study. We can also trust the Bible because it's scientifically accurate. People who don't think the Bible is scientifically accurate either have never really studied the Bible or their science knowledge is biased and or limited. The truth is God set up the laws of science and his word does not contradict those laws. The Bible, yes, wasn't given to be a scientific textbook, and it doesn't use scientific language per se, but the Bible never gives forth bad science. In fact, the Bible is always ahead of science. There are things the Bible says are true that we've just discovered 100, 200, 300 years ago. Johannes Kepler, 
The famous mathematician and astronomer said this. Get this. Science is simply thinking God's thoughts after him. In other words, God established the laws of physics and then people discover those laws. God established the laws of biology and then people discover the laws of biology. God established the laws of mathematics and then people discover the laws of mathematics. And oh yes, we know there are things yet to be discovered about our universe and where we live. But you can be sure that when they're discovered, they won't violate the laws God has established. One thing about truth is it never changes. But one thing about science is it constantly seems to change. We've seen this happen in medical science. I don't know, but have you ever seen a magazine ad from a, a magazine in the 50s or early 60s? where doctors were promoting certain brands of cigarettes because of the filters or the low tar content in the cigarettes. You wouldn't see that today, would you? How many articles have you read in your life where they say there's something you were told was okay to eat or drink now causes you or could cause you cancer? You see, medical science constantly changes, but God doesn't. If you had been reading the Bible a thousand years ago or 500 years ago, what the Bible said then would not have matched the science of the time because the science of that time wasn't up to date. So we must always remember this. God understands everything, even when we don't, and his rules and laws never change. Psalm 148 says, Let them praise the Lord's name, because he gave the command and created them all. He made all these continue forever. Read that last line with me. He made the laws that will never end. Every rule and law, God created them, chemistry, physics, mathematics, all the sciences. And since God created them, they will never end in this present age. What God has set in order will always work because it's true and was designed and made by him. If the Bible were just a human book, excuse me, you would expect it to be filled with known scientific facts of the day in which it was written over that 1,600-year span. But those things aren't in the Bible. One example is that for thousands of years, people believed the earth was flat. It wasn't until Copernicus and Galileo and Columbus that people realized the world's not flat, but what? Well, I knew this group was smart. I really did. So you would expect the Bible to say the earth is flat because the Bible was written at a time during those years when everybody thought the earth was flat. There's not a single verse in the Bible that says the earth is flat. It says the exact opposite. About 2,700 years ago, God said this through Isaiah. It is the Lord who sits above the circle of the earth. 2,700 years ago, the Bible says the earth is round 
like a circle and not flat. When that was written, most people didn't believe it, but God said it was true whether anybody believed it or not. For years, it was the accepted science that there were about a thousand stars in the universe. And they could, could be counted because it was a finite number. A second century B.C. astronomer named Hipparchus actually did that. He counted the stars, and he said there were 1,022 stars in the universe. For a long time, it was accepted there were 1,022 stars in the universe. Star registry would have already filled up by now. But it doesn't say that in the Bible. Some 300 years later, a man named Ptolemy does it again. He counts the stars. And he says, Hipparchus is wrong. Ptolemy counted and actually found 1,056 stars in the universe. Ptolemy had found 34 more stars, which now made him the authority. Today, scientists agree that the number of stars in the universe is infinite. They can't be counted. Once humans didn't know that, and they accepted and believed, there was a limited, finite number of stars, whether 1,022 or 1,056. But the one who created the stars said this in Jeremiah 33. I will make the descendants of David my servant and the Levites who minister before me as countless as the stars of the sky and as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Countless as the stars in the sky. Well, another reason we can believe and trust the Bible this morning as God's word is the fact that Jesus confirmed the Bible. I can trust the Bible this morning because Jesus trusted the scriptures of his day. Jesus proclaimed the Bible as a unique book above all books. He says this, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. The scriptures of his day, the law. Because when Jesus lived on the earth, all of what we have as our Bible today had not even been written. But that's okay because Jesus knew, obviously, what would be written later. And he said it's going to last until everything is accomplished. When Jesus says that every word of the Bible is true, that's a reason why I believe personally that every word of the Bible is true. When Jesus talks about the scriptures of his day, he talks about real people and real places that are mentioned there. Jesus believed in Noah and everything that happened with the story of the flood. Jesus believed in Adam and Eve. Jesus believed and taught on the tragedy of Sodom and Gomorrah and what happened there. He believed in Jonah and what took place in that story. And here's the interesting thing when it comes to Noah 
Adam and Eve, Sodom and Gomorrah, and Jonah. Those are some of the most disputed stories in the Bible by people who say, well, you know, it's just a bunch of fables and fairy tales and heartwarming stories, but didn't really happen. Jesus believed they were real events with real people. And he actually used some of those people and events as illustration of what was going to take place in his own resurrection. If Jesus really believed in Jonah and what happened, then I believe in Jonah and what happened. I don't know how God did it, but I believe he did because he's God. I trust in it because Jesus trusted in it. Many people look at the Bible and they say something like, you know, I'm going to trust and believe this part, but I'm not going to trust and believe that part. None of you would do that, I know. But I know some people that have tried that. A fourth century saint by the name of Augustine said this, if you believe in the Bible what you like and you don't believe what you don't like, it's not the Bible you trust, but yourself. I've learned for me and for my family, if it's trusting in me or trusting in Jesus, I'm going to choose Jesus. Jesus trusted and believed the Bible of his day. And that's one of the reasons why I trust the Bible. Another reason why we can trust the Bible is the one that probably moves me most deeply. It's the most subjective one that we will look at. But it's the one that I've seen worked out in the lives of many people, including myself. I can trust the Bible and what it teaches because it has transforming power. Nothing can transform and change the lives of people like the Bible and the Savior of the Bible. My life has been changed by it. Perhaps your life has been changed by it too. You see, untold millions of lives have been changed by the teachings of the Bible. And Paul mentions this change in a very familiar verse to us. Whoever is a believer in Christ is a, what? New creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. If I thought you could change human behavior by laws and rules, I would want to be more politically active than, than I actually am. But you see, I have very little faith in politics to actually change the greatest problems on the planet. You can make all the laws in the world, and they still aren't going to change human nature, the human heart. God has to change the heart. And through the years of my life, I have seen him do that in many people who've been changed by God 
and his saving grace through his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible and what it teaches has transformed and changed people around the world. Changed people that you would never imagine it could change. There's a tremendous passage that illustrates this as Paul was writing to a particular group of people. They were believers in the city of Corinth, a very wicked and and evil city. And he was reminding them of their former lives. He says, don't you know that wicked people won't inherit the kingdom of God? Stop deceiving yourselves. People who continue to commit sexual sins, who worship false gods, those who commit adultery, homosexuals or thieves, those who are greedy or drunk, who use abusive language, or who rob people will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what some of you were. But you have been washed and made holy, and you have received God's approval in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. I trust the Bible because it has transforming power. 2,000 years ago in the city of Corinth, it had transforming power. You see, it can set people free from any addiction, any wrong attitude, any sin. That list that Paul went through there, talking about people who were in the church but reminding them of their former life, that list covers a lot of people. 2,000 years ago in Greece, but also a lot of people right here in Madison County. A lot of people who need to be set free in the year 2013. So Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you obey my teaching, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth and the How that's so misused, that whole phrase. But Jesus said, when you know the truth, you will be set free. But many people never quote the first part of that verse, which is the qualifier for the freedom that's available. Jesus said, if you obey my teaching, you are really my disciples. Not just if you go out and make up your own opinion or your own belief system or you fill your head full of daytime TV, Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil, Oprah, believe in what they say and not that all of what they say may be wrong, but just whatever. If people truly want to be as free as Paul mentioned in the early church in Corinth, then Let me tell you, just as Paul would tell you if he was on this stage right now, the scriptures, the Bible, and what it teaches has to be part of the equation of the freedom process. You know, I found the Bible never lies lies to me, even when I disagree with the Bible. Whether the Bible makes me uncomfortable, or steps on my toes, which it does quite frequently, I can be sure that the Bible always tells me the truth. 
God stepping on my toes not to hurt me, but to change me and to set me free. The most important question I believe you need to ask yourself this morning is this question. What will be the final authority in my life in 2013? Is it going to be the Bible and what God says about life and and death and eternity? Or is my final authority for truth in 2013 going to be the philosophies and the teachings of the world? Am I going to listen to what God says is true, the Bible? Or am I going to listen to public opinion or my own set of feelings and beliefs? It all comes down to this. Who's going to be the authority in my life? You see, the reason most people don't want to accept the Bible and trust it as the authority in their lives is because they want to be the authority for their lives. They want to be the God of their life. And they don't want God telling them what's right and wrong. Mm-mm. The world is full of people who want to do it their way and be the Lord of their lives, the authority of their lives. And if that's you, you know, my question is, how's it really working out for you going into the new year? Is that solving all your problems? Is your stress level and, and your worry and your fears vanish because you're God of your life? If you're God and you're in charge, how's that working out for you and your family? 2013 is going to be a year full of all kinds of uncertainty and unknowns, just like 2012 was. And we're going to have to choose what's going to be the authority for truth in our lives this year. Is it going to be ourselves? Is it going to be the world's system of beliefs and philosophies? Or is it going to be the Bible and what it has to say to us? You see, if the Bible can't be trusted, what are we doing here this morning? If you were honest with me and I told, asked you, is there something else you could be doing right now between 10 and 11.15, 11.30? I'm sure every hand would go in here, up here. If the Bible isn't true, what are we doing here this morning? If the Bible isn't true and can't be trusted, I'm going to tell you, we're in a heap of trouble. Because our salvation and our eternal life depends on the Bible being right. The Bible is a book, the book, that tells you and me that life's not just an accident. And we're not here by chance, but we're here by God's purpose for our lives. It's the book that says we can be forgiven no matter what we've done. This is the book that says you can have an eternal home in heaven. This is the book that says there's a reason for hope 
for your life in 2013. I trust the Bible. I believe it's God's word to us. And by this book, by the Bible, we can know God and his plan and purpose for our lives both now and forever. Now, I trust the Bible. I believe the Bible. But I also know the Bible can't help me unless I do something. I've got to take the Bible. I've got to open the Bible. I've got to read, ask God to teach me, and give me the will in my heart to apply what he teaches me to my life and the situations that I face. So, if you don't have a Bible, buy one. And if you can't afford a Bible, see Pastor Damon or Pastor Jeff or or myself, and we'll help you with that. Whether you buy a Bible that works on your smartphone or your iPad or your or Kindle or a print version, that's your choice. My recommendation that you would get it in a modern translation, the NIV, the ERV, the Easy Read version, or the GNT Good News translation. Get a version that you can read and, and understand in today's language. Or maybe you should just go home and find the Bible that you have at home. <laughs> Underneath the New Year, Year revelry and all that. Find it and then read it. Go to the New Testament book of John. John chapter 1, verse 1, and begin there. Just a little bit every day. You can trust the Bible because it's the Word of God and it's truth. It has survived the doubters, the skeptics, the naysayers throughout the ages. And the Bible, God's Word, will last forever. You don't have to take my word on that, but I would encourage you to take Christ's word on the fact that His word is going to last forever. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. This morning, after the band has this final song, there's going to be an opportunity for you to come forward and and pray. There will be some folks on this side and on this side of the auditorium. Whatever you'd like to pray about, they're more than willing to pray with you about anything going on in your life, the life of a friend, family member. It's good to pray. Good to read your Bible. Good to pray. Let's pray together right now. Lord, we are grateful that we live in a country that we have access and freedom to your word, that Bibles are readily available. Lord, forgive us for not taking advantage of that and for not reading your word like we should. Lord, your word is true. Your word's been under attack forever. Satan doubted your word, brought doubt in, to Jesus about your word. 
But Lord, we thank you that your word is true. If there's someone in this building, Lord, struggling with the fact that your word is true, I pray that you would nudge them and encourage them to get a Bible and begin to read in John. And just let you speak to their heart. Let them put you to the challenge that you will prove to them that your word is true. Lord, I am inadequate to prove that. But the Holy Spirit can, by the Holy Spirit's power, convince us of the veracity of your word. Lord, let us not just make this a mind message today and agree that yes, your word is true and go out of here and never opening the Bible again. But help us put this message in our hearts. Lord, that we'll take a Bible, we'll read a Bible, we'll apply the teachings of a Bible to our life. Throughout this year, we trust you for it in Jesus' holy name. Amen.